This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're talking about Acts 6 today, so let's take a closer look. Let's do it. Um, I feel really conflicted about this text. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I, I'll be honest. Um. Uh, I know myself well enough. I've approached this text with a little bit of bias because I have some uh, some church hurt from people yeah. who weaponized this text in order to say, oh, you have to do those things. I can't do that because I'm more spiritually a leader, but whatever narcissistic way they have to come up with how to merit, merit that. But um, if you didn't know, we grew up in a very traditional fundamentalist uh, Baptist context, specifically Southern Baptist. And that tradition had like um, spiritual authority within it. And think, think John MacArthur kind of like church discipline structures. Um, for a while, y'all even attended a church um, that was very detailed in their church discipline and enforced it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I have a lot of issues with that style of doing ministry. And yeah, I'm sure that's shown up in my reading of this text. So yeah. like, I like, no, I got you moment here. Nobody's fooling me. I yeah. know that I'm doing that. Um, but I would also say, as always, uh, I think it is still a reading sure. of the text. And so let's get into it. Um, the text says, Now during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. Okay, now, Clayton, what's a Hellenist? I don't know. What does it mean if I say something in Hellenistic? You don't know either? Mm-mm. Uh, Hellenized? Do you know that one? Just, just <laughs> tell me okay. what it means. Okay. Um, uh, Hellenist just means Greek. Just means Greek. Yeah. Okay. Or Gentile. Okay. I mean, not really. It means Greek. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so the Hellenists are claiming about the Hebrews. Mm-hmm. What does that, what kind of conflict does that tell you this is? It is a racial con- conflict. Yeah. In some way. Yeah, I don't know if it's fully racial because I don't, I'm not 100% confident in the skin color differentiation, mm. but it's definitely an ethnic conflict. Yeah, it's something between two different groups of people C- related on, to ethnicity. Yeah, in some way, shape, or um, And specifically. Not even is it just a racial or ethnic disparity. 
it's one about caring for a vulnerable people group. Mm. Widows, specifically. The Hellenists are mad because if you remember back from chapter four, they're living according to this like common purse community. Right. And so because they're all in this kind of oppressed community, um, they give out like daily food rations. Mm. Well, apparently the Greek widows just don't deserve to eat. They're just not giving their food to them. And so the Greeks are all mad and they come to the apostles. Mm Mm-hmm. Once again, I'm not reading anything. I'm not isogeting this. I'm not reading into this. This is just w- what the nature of the story is. Uh, Clayton, what ethnicity are the disciples? The 12 disciples specifically? Jews. They're Hebrew. They're Hebrew. Um, and so because of the power dynamics at play, because this is still an extension of a Jewish faith, mm-hmm. and now we don't know this up to this point in the story yet. Um, but we've not met the character. We won't meet him um, until chapter 9, which is Saul later, mm. or Paul, if you know his Greek name. Um, Paul is the one that God calls his instrument to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Paul's the only one that gives voice to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Um Everybody else is Hebrew dominated. So, and we later learn that Peter is very much so Hebrew first, still wants to do circumcisions, mm-hmm. still wants to keep kosher food laws. Peter is very Hebrew. And he's basically leading this, right? He's been the main yeah. character through the, through the most part of this part of Acts so far. Greeks have to go to, they have, they're having to work within this power system, this mm-hmm. power structure. And they're already being oppressed. Their women, their widows, their vulnerable are not being cared for. And they have to go to this group of Hebrew men who are already nationalistic and zealots. Yeah. It, it, it shouldn't surprise us that this is their answer. And the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from amongst yourselves seven men of good standing, uh, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. Um... I don't know that I've ever seen such narcissistic behavior recorded in the scriptures. <laughs> Hebe, jeebies, come on, man. Yeah. Uh, what they what what Luke should have said is they thought they were too good to serve the tables. Now, I also understand that I'm oversimplifying this a little bit. They do have a logistical issue. Mm-hmm. depending on how many people are living in this community, this could be thousands of people that yeah. they're divvying up daily food rations to. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. what percent of them would be Hellenist mm-hmm. or Hellenistic. Um, 
they are in Jerusalem still. So I I just don't know. I I just don't know how many there are, but I know that there's probably enough of them that they got some kind of logistical issue here that has to be solved. So I understand that. I do understand that element, and I'm not necessarily opposed to the office of deacon, um, which is the Greek word for serve, if you didn't know that, or servant is actually what it is. But I don't... I'm re- I personally am really concerned with the ways in which this text has been weaponized since. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm much less concerned with how they're like with what they're doing. I'm looking mm-hmm. at it going, yeah, I, I don't think this is really great. I think this is pretty terrible. But here. My problem is I have heard people weaponize this text, specifically pastors. Um and they do it in such a way that what they end up saying is, I don't have to do anything else for my job except pray and read scripture. Which ends up make like it ends up furthering the power dynamic mm-hmm. because now I hold the key authority, the supreme authority over interpreting this book, mm-hmm. which all of you look to me to do. Right. So I've just I've just propagated the chasm here. That's yeah. all I've done by that reading. And what it does is it it, it it further creates systems where pastors and religious leaders can insulate themselves to protect themselves when they do stupid stuff. Sure. Like what we've seen with John MacArthur in these in this uh, latest story from two thousand two. Anyways, enough of my tangent. I think that's a really terrible thing to say. Mm. Just like, hey, we shouldn't do this. Because that's... And I, I don't really know what to do with this, but it said, the text says... So it's not right that we should wait on tables, select for yourself some men in good standing that we can give this task to while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. Mm -hmm. It's a very weird way to put that. Yeah. Serving the word. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very strange construct. It's a very strange construct in Greek. Um, almost as if, almost if it's, it's preacher language. Mm. Almost if it's like dreamed up preacher speak for let me spiritualize this so you listen to me kind of like the construct the way you would say that serving the word we've not heard that yet nobody said that yet in this story um jesus didn't speak that way it just it feels very strange and forced almost as if it's just like a literary play off of them serving the tables and them serving the word almost to say yeah we're doing the same thing we're just doing it this way which is serving widows food and reading the Bible the same thing? 
the way that you worded that question, no. But do you, if you were going to ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, which one's more important work? Serving widows food or reading the scriptures? What do you think he would say? So this is going to be a little bit of my bias coming out for sure because we don't actually know what he would say. But oh, I, Yes, we do. Oh, well, definitely that, like, I think that he would say serving the, the what, widows. What is the greatest commandment, teacher? That's remember oh, when yeah. the Pharisees ask mm. him, what is the greatest commandment? What does he Love answer? your neighbor as yourself. Well, he says, love the Lord your God. Love your Lord your God. And then and the second is, is like your, it. Yeah. Yeah, I think we know exactly what Jesus would say is better work. Mm. Serving the widows their rations. This is just men of power showing up and creating disparities because they didn't want to deal with the Greek widows. They're just delegating work that they don't want to do. Couldn't the... I don't know, just the thought here. Also, these are, remember, all of these except one mm. are the only people that's been every waking second that Jesus was doing ministry. Actually, they weren't with him because they did commission him. But anyway, they spent the most time of him while he was on earth doing yeah. ministry. They would know what he would say. Mm. And yet they, no. I, well, the love the Lord your God thing with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, because that's what Jesus said. Wouldn't that fall under the category of not neglecting his word? It could. But you know what else could? Serving. <laughs> loving the people whom God loves? Yeah. No, I, I hear you. Yeah. I, I, I do. I'm just playing devil's advocate. That's kind of my job. A little bit. Now, here's the part that further bothers me with this story. Verse 5. What they said pleased the whole community. How often do you see this in churches, Clayton? Where the, uh, they just anything the leaders say is yeah, gospel. Cool. We're and great. we're, yeah, we're going headlong first. Far too often. Yeah, far too often. Now, to be fair, we know how this story ends. There's no abuse of power that comes from this, not for, you know, 1,500 years or something. Mm -hmm. But um, I also wanted to point this out. It's problematic for me that they want men to do it. It's problematic for me that they want to choose men to go serve the widows. Sure. Um. Once again, more so than anything, because of how it ends up being used, that women are oppressed and they're not allowed to speak and hold offices in churches. But I think the other reason that it bothers me is nobody stopped to think about the fact that maybe widows, Greek widows, might be a little intimidated by right. Jewish men yeah. coming to give them food that they had to fight real hard to get. Yeah. It's just, I mean, you having your social work training, like, 
Golly, yep. that's not the best way to go about this, gentlemen. No, but it's patriarchy. Yes, and that's my damn problem. Yeah. It's patriarchy. That, for sure, I, I I have no qualms saying that's what that was. It's, honestly, we don't really see women's involvement in all this other than Jesus' time on earth mm-hmm. um, until like well into Paul's ministry. Right. So yeah, no, that's patriarchy for sure. If, if people are going to hold an office in some sort of church structure, it's going to be men. Yeah. And I, yeah. It bothers me. I, no. Yeah. Moving along. So they picked some out and I counted them up. I think that I don't remember. Let me count them up again. Uh, they chose Stephen. Philip Pecoris, Nicanor, Timon. Parmenius, Nicholas. Seven. They chose seven of them. And they had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And then the word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So that's the text that I ended up doing my storytelling from yesterday. There's my extra notes on it. But in the remaining two and a half minutes, three minutes roughly of this podcast, I need to tell you, I need to set up the second half of chapter six for you because next week I have to storytell through chapter seven. And this is a very crucial moment in the book of Acts. We're skipping six. Wow. Oh, no. Or the second half of six. Well, it it's all one block. I, I don't have time because yeah, I'm only preaching. No, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I'm only preaching 42 weeks, so I don't get to touch everything. I hear um, you. Stephen, the one who they just elected to be deacon. the first deacon, Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and others of those from Cilicia and Asia stood up and argued with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly instigated some men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people as well as the elders and the scribes. Then they suddenly confronted him, seized him, and brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses who said, This man never stopped saying things against the holy place and the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses handed on to us. And all who sat in the council looked intently at him, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Um, crazy. The book of Acts is about to get real interesting, friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapters six, seven, and eight are some kind of transition chapters in this book, um, and some things are about to happen. Number one, we're about to get introduced into the myth, the man, the legend himself, Paul of Tarsus. Um, 
But before we get introduced to him, we have to deal with the Steven situation. And notice the way the narrative flows and sets up. Uh, but they could not. Was, uh, they stood up and argued with Stephen. Could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Secretly instigated him, set him up with questions, stirred up the people, brought in false witnesses, arrested him, told lies about him. What What does this sound like? A scandal. Oh, like it, it very much so yeah, is very. Sketchy. Do you do you have a hyperlink in your head of what this sounds like? Oh, Jesus. You should, yes. Yeah. Very much so. You should be mirroring yeah. this because what's about to happen is you're about to see some things happen in the book of Acts. Um, specifically, you're about to see some really, really terrible suffering. Mm -hmm. You're about to see a lot of oppression. You're about to see some stonings. You're about to see some people executed. Um, things are about to get real. And Luke is setting you up to remember that this is a parallel story of the suffering that Christ endured, the disciples are willing to endure because of the message of the resurrection of Jesus.